Holy Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you so much for your everlasting living word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we invite you, Lord, to shine your word into our heart right now. We invite you, Lord, to speak to us. We know that you don't need that invitation, but we desire to give it because we want you to know that we're eager to hear. And Lord, wherever there's a point of need or wherever there's a point of weariness, wherever there's a point of worry, I pray that your word would minister grace to each one of your people hearing this message tonight, to everyone hearing this message tonight and hearing from your word in the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. This year of patience, I want to talk to you tonight about patient praise. Will you say that phrase? Patient praise. Sometimes we don't feel like praising God. Sometimes the circumstances of our life don't look to us like they warrant thanksgiving. But actually, the reality of God is such that if we know who he is, and if we are in touch with him, every day is thanksgiving. We might not always feel it, But here's a great piece of information that you can take to the bank. You can invest this in your heart. You can invest this in the practice of your life. You don't have to feel like praising God in order to praise him. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you don't have to feel like praising God in order to praise him. Yeah, you don't have to feel like it. Somebody said, well, I don't think God wants insincere praise. Well, I didn't say insincere. I just said you didn't have to feel it. Your feelings are not everything. Sometimes you can feel like everything's right with the world and you're on top of the world. Have you ever had a day where everything looked like it was going great and then immediately something happened where everything went wrong? I remember a day when I was a kid. It was a Saturday. I was in sixth grade and I was going to go play with my friends. I lived out in the country. We like to take our bikes and ride around. And I was so excited that day. I just remember... uh, uh, walking on Sunshine was playing on the radio. You know, that Katrina and the waves. Walking on sunshine. Woo. That's the way I felt. I'm walking on sunshine. Woo. It's a Saturday. It's good. It's a beautiful day. I saw my friend get hit by a car that day. Flew 20 feet in the air and landed with the worst thud I've ever heard on the ground. He almost died. I think at that age, I'd never prayed so hard than that afternoon into that night when he was in the ICU and they were saying, we don't think he's going to make it. And I was praying, oh God, please, please, please just let him live. I remember how powerless I felt and how shocked. And I kept running over in my mind that morning. Everything seemed so good. Katrina and the waves, walking on sunshine. It felt great, but feelings... Don't protect you from a car driving 40 miles an hour on the road. Things happen that we didn't expect. And our feelings can go into a complete crisis. But you know what? Your feelings are not everything. And even in those situations, you can praise the Lord. I think... That prayer that I was praying was a way of praising the Lord. I didn't know it at that time. But what it was is it was saying, you're my only hope. It's like Princess Leia. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
I'd rather have Jesus' help. No offense to Ben Kenobi, but Jesus can do more. When you go to God and say, help me, God, that's praising him because it's saying, I believe that you're the one that can help. You don't have to be feeling good. You don't have to be looking good. I'm sure you always do. But you don't have to have those outward things in order to praise the Lord. The sincerity of heart is simply to come to him. Sometimes it takes patience on our part to trust. In those moments when we don't know what the outcome is, what's going to happen? And so much hangs in the balance. Be patient and trust the Lord. And that is praise unto him. Rest in the Lord and let the Lord give you of his strength. In Isaiah 40, I hear the Lord speaking an invitation for you and I to rest in him and in that place of rest and peace, in that place of trust to give him thanks, to welcome him into every aspect and arena of our life to welcome him into the point of need, to welcome him into the place where we aren't feeling good or where we aren't confident, as well as to welcome him into all the places that we love and celebrate. Welcome him with open arms. Open up your gates with praise and thanksgiving. Show the Lord that you love him by entrusting yourself to him. Everything, your relationships, your kids, your parents, your siblings, your finances, your plans, your hopes, your dreams, your worries, your regrets, your sins and failures. Give it all over to God, and that is praise unto him, and then wait on him, which is to say, attentively look to him, trusting in him, and listening for him, and reading his word, and connecting with his people. This is worship, and it will produce the spirit of thanksgiving in your life. Not only that, he will instill in you the energy to persevere, the vitality to go forward, not only to run the, way, the race, but to win it. I want to look at the opening eight verses of Isaiah chapter 40 with you and talk about this idea of resting in the Lord and giving him thanks. As I do so, I want to mention something about Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is sort of like a little Bible. Do you know that it has 66 chapters? That's as many books as are in our Bible. Do you know that there are 39 books in the Old Testament? And the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are often called in ac uh, academic circles First Isaiah or Proto-Isaiah because they have a kind of a different theme and focus. And it's one very heavily on judgment. Judgment on the nations. Judgment on the Jewish people for their infidelities to God, but judgment on their Gentile oppressors as well. The prophet Isaiah was writing and speaking these prophecies somewhere around the turn of the 8th to the 7th century BC. The point in knowing that is he's saying all of this before the land of Judah, which is where he is and where he's prophesying, before they experience the failure that produces ultimately the Babylonian exile. The nation is still standing. The nation is still going forward. But for 39 chapters, as it were, Isaiah is speaking the judgments of the Lord more than anything else. Although in those 39 chapters, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, we see Isaiah be part of the Christmas story, even though he's living centuries before Jesus is born. Because it's in Isaiah 7 
that the Lord through Isaiah says, the virgin shall conceive a child. And it's in Isaiah 9 that the Lord speaks to the prophet Isaiah to say, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. But you know, Isaiah really has a part in the Easter story, in the resurrection story of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday as well because the songs of the suffering servant, the man who suffers for the things of the Lord and for his people in order to save and redeem them, those are in Isaiah as well. But those are in the, that other half of Isaiah. So in a sense, Isaiah is sort of like a little Bible. And in the first 39 chapters, you get prophecies and predictions and warnings about what comes from the violation of the law. But at chapter 40, it's like a New Testament begins in Isaiah. There's a fresh new vision. And in fact, he seems to be writing about things that are about a century and a half after his time. In fact, some scholars have suggested that this isn't even Isaiah anymore, that it's Deutero-Isaiah, a second Isaiah, that it's someone in the school of Isaiah. And I wasn't around to be able to say, but I'll tell you what, I think it's the prophet seeing what is ahead and speaking by the Spirit about what is to come. And what he's speaking about is a time when the nation has fallen, when the trials and tribulations have mounted up and the Babylonian exile occurs. And what he says in the Spirit of the Lord to those people is comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem that has suffered so much and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In other words, that for every wrong that she has done, God has done twice as many right to her. This week, tragedy struck in Jerusalem. You may have heard about the bus bomb. And sadly, a 16-year-old person died in that attack. God helped their family and blessed them in the midst of such a horrible loss. And Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, even as your word tells us to do. We say peace and comfort to Israel, to Jerusalem, and to all the people in her, even as your word says to us, Lord. It's a place where the tensions of humanity always seem to be right at the surface. But the Lord is saying, even in the midst of all those trials and sorrows, my word to you is peace, comfort, rest. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. All four of the Gospels associate this passage with John the Baptist, another baby born around the Christmas time. In fact, John's parents... Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're part of the Christmas story in the book of Luke. We're going to be talking about them in weeks to come. And here is the theme, the anthem, if you will, of John the Baptist's ministry. And it's this, the Lord is coming. The Lord is speaking. To those who have been walking in darkness, the Lord is bringing light. And so if that's you, the Lord is saying to you, comfort Jesus is speaking comfort to you tonight. He's saying, whatever's gone wrong in your life, I have more than double to make it right. More than enough. And now there's a voice speaking, and that voice is saying, get ready for God in your life, because God's coming, 
And what he's bringing is good news. Every valley will be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. In other words, all the disparities are going to get ironed out. It's like a shirt that's just getting pressed. And when you finish with it, you go, that looks great. And that's God. That's the readiness for God. Is the righteousness of God coming and evening out what has been inequitable and all out of balance. And God can do it. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. Do you know what the glory of the Lord is? It's here in front of us. It's the treasure of heaven. It's his grace. It's his forgiveness. It's his son. And everyone is going to see together the goodness of Christ. But you can partake of that goodness now, tonight, as you dine on him. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And so I say, what shall I cry? This is the prophet saying, okay, Lord, what is it you want me to speak? And this is what the Lord tells him to speak. All people are like grass. All their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall or fade because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Is this a word of comfort to us? It's saying, say to the people, you're going to die. And all of your faithfulness, as beautiful as it is, is going to fade into the grave. But God's word will not die. And that word is bread. And that bread is the bread of heaven. And that living word is Christ. So if his living word is in you, then even though you die, yet shall you live. So if you see your flower fading, don't give up. Don't despair. Patiently persevere because the everlasting one is in you. And if he's not in you, then it's time to let him in. It's time to enter into his rest and let the rest of him enter into you. Welcome the Lord. You will give him praise. Friends, if there's someone out there who's saying, I just don't know that I can go all, all in on this Jesus thing, do it. You say, well, that doesn't convince me. Well, I don't know what else to tell you except this. You will not regret giving your life to Christ. For one thing, you have discovered, or you soon shall, he's already given his life for you. And so let him into every aspect of your life. Isaiah says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. That's a great Christmas song. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to declare the goodness of God in our world. Don't be ashamed to do that. You don't have to do it obnoxiously, but don't put your light under a basket. If you've got things to give thanks to God for, don't just do it here in the sanctuary. Carry it out into the world and do it in the world. That doesn't mean that you have to stand on a corner and shout about it. I mean, if that's what God calls you to do, all well and good. But most of the time, what it means is that you're going to be a person who has the attitude of gratitude all the time wherever you go. We're all challenged in that. But you know what? Each of us can expand in thanksgiving. And I don't mean in the normal way. I mean we can expand in our spirit of thanksgiving. Let the Lord fill you to overflowing 
with the spirit of thanksgiving and let people hear it. Say to the towns, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him and his compensation accompanies him. In other words, he's coming to give what is due. He's coming to make his judgments and also to offer his blessings and to give his rewards. The language here is very similar to the language of the Exodus. It is as though the Lord through the prophet Isaiah is speaking ahead of time to people who will have been in the bondage of the Babylonian exile and captivity. And he's saying to them, just like I delivered your forefathers and foremothers out of bondage in Egypt, I will deliver you out of bondage in Babylon. And so I say to you tonight, no matter what tries to bind you in times to come, the Lord will speak comfort to you if you are resting in him. Trust in him and remember he holds your reward. Ask him to make you worthy of it because none of us can be worthy of his reward except that he by his grace has enabled us to be. And he delights to give you the kingdom and he is devoted to his flock. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Jesus had this passage no doubt in mind when in John chapter 10 he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd cares for his sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep and his sheep know his voice. He carries you in his arms tonight, church. He carries you in his heart. Do you know that Jesus is carrying you in his heart? Will you carry him in yours? He gently leads those that have young. Do you have young kids? Do you have children? Maybe you have adult children. Are you concerned about them? Your father in heaven knows what that's like because he's concerned about you. And he says he'll take care of the parents and he'll take care of the children. Let him take care of you. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Hasn't it been told to you from the beginning since the earth was founded? Listen to this. This is the God that we serve. He's enthroned above the circle of the earth. People are like grasshoppers in front of him. He's the one that stretched out the heavens. I was looking this week live at those shots from the moon, the Artemis mission and the Orion capsule. I was fascinated by that stuff. I love that. So many miles away, it's 250,000 some miles away. But what is that to the Lord? Nothing. The whole universe is stretched out by him. By the way, this is one of those passages that while it is poetic, also has a sort of scientific corollary that we understand the universe to be expanding and it's God who stretched it out. Time and space are in his hands. We pass away like grass on the hill, but his breath, his spirit is everlasting. He brings princes to naught. He reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. He's not beholden to anyone. Whoever gets elected, whoever is appointed, whoever is crowned king, he's the king over all the kings. King of kings and Lord of lords. We are those that no sooner are we planted, no sooner are we sown, no sooner do we take root, but then the wind comes and blows it all away because there's no one like God. Who is my equal, says the Holy One? No one. So praise him. Praise him. Because one day you're going to face him. And believe me, when you face him, it will be awesome. And you will be glad if you are able to praise him because you are in him and he's in you. So wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. 
You've been waiting a long time for something. Don't give up. You're feeling like you don't know where the guidance of God is in this moment. Turn to him and trust in him and worship him anyway. And maybe in your worship, that's where you'll really hear. Maybe it's in that moment of worship that things will break free for you. But even if not, just keep on glorifying God and giving thanks. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. Are you downcast? Are you downtrodden? Are you full of anxiety? Are you ashamed? Let the hand of the Lord come and just gently lift your chin right now tonight. Let him lift your eyes up to the heavens. Who is it that flung all those stars into the starry host of heaven and knows each one of them by name? Trillions upon trillions and not a single one of them is unknown to him. They're all his territory. They're all part of his pantheon of the celestial expanse of God's creation. So why should you and I complain and say, well, God's not looking at me. My way is hidden. God's turned away from me. God's disregarded me. Don't you know he's never turned away from you, never forgotten you? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creators of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. He's never confused. He's never stumped. He's never defeated. And in him, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. A little bit of bread, a little bit of juice, but it is nourishment to your body and mind. As we're coming to the conclusion of the message, I want to invite those that are going to be serving communion to begin to distribute the elements, if you would hold yours until all have been served. The Lord says, you know, even strong young people get tired. The young, healthy, strapping athletes who run a race, but they can stumble. And sooner or later, the longer they run, the more tired they are. But what about those, no matter their age, no matter their strength, no matter whatever limitation might seem to be upon them, they hope in the Lord. They wait on the Lord. What the Lord says about them, and I hope it's what the Lord says about us. In other words, I hope that you and I are those that wait on the Lord and hope in the Lord because the Lord says, when you do that, I am will renew your strength. I am will give you wings like eagles to fly on. Again, the language of Isaiah is the language of Exodus in which Moses and the children of Israel said, you lifted us up out of slavery as if we were carried away on wings of eagles. And Isaiah says, those wings, those are the wings of the son of righteousness. There's healing in those wings. There's helping in those wings. There's rest and refreshment, nourishment, life in those wings. And whoever waits on the Lord will rise up on those wings and soar on them. You will run, and no matter how long you have to persevere in running the race, you will not lose your strength because your strength comes from the great I am. You will walk, and no matter what the walk is that you are walking, no matter what road through the wilderness he might have you on, you'll be the voice in the wilderness saying, the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. 
Because you have found your rest in him. Because you take your trust in him. Because you open your heart to him and give your life to him. And you thank him. And you praise him. And you worship him. And he feeds you. He feeds you of himself. And brings you and I together in him. On the night before he was betrayed, the Lord lifted up bread and made thanksgiving to the Father for it. And he broke it and he said, Take each of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Now in receiving this, let his wholeness happen in you. Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for bringing everybody here into your body. And we pray, Lord, that as we receive this bread into our bodies, that we would remember you and rest in your comfort. The master Jesus on that night raised his cup and said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. It's for the remission of sins. The penalty of our sins were death, but the reward of faith is life in Christ because of the shedding of his blood. Jesus gave his life for you. And his blood speaks better things. So as you drink this juice, drink in the words of the Lord that say to you, I've got good plans for you and I know what they are. Plans to help you, not to hurt you. Plans for a future and a hope. Drink this and you'll be able to persevere. Because I will give you my strength. And I tell you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So drink this cup and drink of him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we being many are one body in Christ. And that is worth thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now may the spirit of gratitude fill you to overflowing in the holy presence of the Lord. And may that spirit remain and rest in you, but also go forth through and from you. And may you be empowered and strengthened. And may you experience the perseverance of the faith that comes from Christ Jesus and giving praise to God at all times. May the kingdom advance through you to his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Happy Thanksgiving.